This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Thanksgiving Day is a distinctive holiday. It doesn't commemorate a battle or somebody's birthday or even an anniversary. Thanksgiving Day is simply a day that is set aside for our nation to express thanks to God. I have, you've heard me say many times that in preparation for Christmas, weeks before I start to read the Christmas story in Matthew and in Luke, and in preparation for Easter, I start reading about the last days of Christ here on earth. And then after Easter, I start reading the book of Acts in preparation for Pentecost Sunday. So you may ask yourself, how do I prepare for Thanksgiving? I prepare for Thanksgiving by reading, rereading, and reading again Psalms 100. Why, you may ask? Because I think Psalms 100 is one of the most beautiful psalms of thanksgiving that has been written. Now, who wrote it? This is interesting. Really, nobody knows who wrote it. Many people attribute it to David. Some attribute it to Moses. If, if you know your Bible or not, Psalms 90 is attributed to Moses. Moses wrote Psalms 90. And Jewish tradition says that Moses wrote Psalms 90 to 100. So we really don't know who penned Psalms 100. But we do know this. Remember God saying to the people of Israel, when you enter the promised land and you settle in your homes, and you have plenty to eat. God said, remember me. Remember, I was the one who led you out of the wilderness and brought you to this land that is flowing with milk and honey. Now, it doesn't take long to realize that the people of Israel would need a reminder. Therefore, I believe that Psalms 100 was written to the people of Israel to remind them of the God they serve. But not only written to the Israelites, because I believe that God must have had us in mind too, because Psalms 100 is addressed to all the earth. And it concludes with, all generations. Listen, this message of thanksgiving, it's deep and it's wide and it's for every person of every era and every stage in life. Message of thanksgiving is for all that we would remind ourselves of a good, faithful, loving God. Now, around October every year, 
My wife and I still do a Christmas club where you put money away each week and you rip off the tag and at the middle of October they send you a check for Christmas shopping. It's a cool way to save for Christmas. And our kids know this. So around the end of October, the beginning of November, we start getting the emails, the texts, the lists. A few weeks ago, my granddaughter, Leah, text or emailed Granny her Christmas list of everything she wanted for Christmas. And then before you know it, Natalie is FaceTiming with Granny, showing her a catalog with the phone and back and forth. And I can't watch it because I, I get sick, you know, going back and forth. Granny, I want this and I want this. And, you know, and I'm like, okay. And then before you know it, Bonnie puts in her, her wish list of her one item that she wants. And then she's conveying, Joe, God bless Joe. Joe has a wish list on Amazon. That's simple. You know, you just go to the wish list and see what he wants. And, the, you know, he can dream all he wants, uh, wish all he wants. And then Erin has to get her text in, and then she's conveying what her husband Joseph wants. And, you know, it's, it's not unusual around Christmas time to develop a wish list of what you would like to have for Christmas. And then after Christmas, we start to draw up, we start to draft our New Year's resolutions. I say all that because we often forget another list that is very important. And if you look in your order of services, you'll see a sheet that we made up. And I say a list of what you are thankful for. And I pray, I trust, that before Thanksgiving ends on Thursday night, you'll take time to sit down with this little insert. And you'll begin to write things that you're thankful for. But I got convicted this year, and I went one step further. Whenever we do like a testimony, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my job. You know, I'm thankful for my grandchildren. It's easy to name what we're thankful for. But can we take it one step further this year? Not only write, what are you thankful for, but why are you thankful for your spouse? Why are you thankful for your family? Why are you thankful for your home? And I'll tell you what, it made it a lot harder. I got this idea from a list that I read of this individual who wrote this. She says, I'm thankful for paying taxes. And I'm like, whoa. Because it means I'm employed. I'm thankful that my clothes are a little snug. Because it means I have plenty to eat. I'm thankful for a lawn to mow, leaves to rake, gutters to clean, Windows to wash, because it means I have a home. I'm thankful for the huge heating bill that just came in the mail. Why? 
because it means I kept warm. And the last one got me. I'm thankful for the huge piles of laundry that I do because it means that I have all my loved ones nearby. What are you thankful for? But not only what are you thankful for, I trust that you'll get time this week to sit down. What am I thankful for? Yet, why? Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? If you're able, Psalms 100. Psalms 100. The writer says this, shout for joy. Now, I got to stop for a moment right there and meddle. Because isn't it interesting how we will go to our kids' athletic events, our grandchildren' athletic events, and we'll just shout. But yet, when we come to the house of the Lord, we're silent. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Listen, there's a big difference between gladness and sadness, and it shows in our body language. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. You know what that talks about? A dependency. It talks about being dependent upon God. He's our master. He's our Lord. He's our boss. He's our all in all. Therefore, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. Come on, can you say it together? The Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You may be seated. So in preparations for this Thanksgiving season, I came to my traditional Thanksgiving verse, Psalms 100. I started to read. I started to reread, I started to read, and I got stuck on verse 4. And this is what I noticed. There's one word that came to my mind when I kept reading and reading verse 4 of Psalms 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Gates, courts, gates, courts. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me that the psalmist is trying to move us from one place to another. He's taking us to the gates, but he's not just saying stay there. He's taking us to the courts. Could you imagine going to Great Adventure? No, I can't. But can you imagine going to Great Adventure? I used to. <laughs> or Disney World. You enter the gates, and you spend the rest of the day right there. 
So I saw this word progression. That in the mind of this psalmist, he had a progression in mind. I want you to come up to the gates with thanksgiving, but I don't want you to stop there. I want you to move into the courts. Without going into a great detail of the construction of the tabernacle, the gates are equivalent, the gates parallel your front door. It's a place of entry. It's a place where you take your first step into the house. And the psalmist here is saying, listen, I want everybody just to come into this simple entry of taking a step into my house, but I don't want you to stop there because I have something deeper, something greater, something higher, something beyond just thanksgiving. And this is what I wrote down. It's nothing profound. Thanksgiving gets our foot in the door. But praise takes us higher and further into God's presence. And that's where we're going to camp out today. We're going to talk about this progression from thanksgiving to praise. Now I had, listen, I don't get a revelation often. But this week I received a revelation. So fasten your seatbelts. Get your pens ready. Scoot to the edge of your seat. And take a deep breath. Because I'm about ready to give you a revelation that I got this week. Are you ready? Thanksgiving proceeds Christmas. Thanksgiving proceeds Christmas. Now I know that many of you do not sit around contemplating and thinking which came first, the turkey or the tree. But believe it or not, there is something very profound, there is something very powerful that I believe becomes very spiritual. And I say that because it seems today that all we want to do is rush through Thanksgiving, get to Christmas, and before we're carving the turkey, we're hanging our stockings. We've talked in the office, I can't believe how many Christmas trees are up Remember the days where you never saw a Christmas tree in a store until after Thanksgiving? We're so rushing past Thanksgiving to get to Christmas that here was my thought. Thanksgiving proceeds miracles. 
thanksgiving proceeds miracles. I believe it's a spiritual principle, and there's numerous accounts in the Scripture that I can back up how a thanksgiving proceeds miracles. Perhaps the best one is Lazarus. Remember, Lazarus is dead. He's been buried. He's been dead for four days. Jesus comes and Martha yells, if he had come earlier, my brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, where have you laid him? So they go to the graveyard. Now Jesus is about ready to do a miracle. He's about ready to raise Lazarus from the dead. But if you know the story, before Lazarus comes out of the tomb, what did Jesus say? Father, I thank you. He's offering thanksgiving up to God. I thank you that you have heard me. Even before he speaks to the Father, he's thanking the Father for hearing him before he even speaks. I thank you that you have heard me. And when he said this, when I condensed it a little bit, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Interesting. For those of you who say, okay, that's only one incident in the Bible, let me give you another one. Let me remind you of another one. Jesus feeding the multitudes. When Jesus fed the multitudes in Matthew chapter 15, he took the seven loaves and fish. And when he had given thanks, come on. When he had given thanks, after he took the fish and the loaves, he had given thanks. And he broke them and he gave them to his disciples. And they in turn to the people. And it says that everyone ate and was satisfied. And there were 4,000 plus men and women. Now, in the feeding of the 5,000, we see the same pattern. And how about before his miraculous resurrection? He took the bread and gave thanks. He took the cup and gave thanks. Folks, there's something about giving thanks that proceeds a miracle. You know, if you look in your checkbook and it's screaming out for help, just begin to thank him. Perhaps your body is aching and you're crying out in pain. Before the miracle, maybe just begin to thank him. Maybe you're in need of a birth of a job. Just begin to thank him. Now, I don't think that this is a formula, but I think it's a principle that we need to bow and thanks before the answer. And you know what? Paul bears this out in his teaching. 
Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. Don't, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about that job. Don't be anxious about your checkbook. Don't be anxious about that relationship. Don't, don't be anxious about your sickness. But anything, by prayer and petition. What's prayer? Prayer is just talking to God. Petition is telling what your need is. But in telling, in talking and telling, with thanksgiving, what do we do? We are to present our requests to God. And you know what we do? We get it backwards, don't we? We wait until God gives us the answer, and then we're what? Huh, we're thanking him. Why is this so important? Because thanksgiving requires us to change focus. Because what happens if we don't get what we want, usually we're not serving with gladness, we're serving with sadness, we're unthankful, we're bitter, we're negative. But we, learn, we need to learn to be thankful in spite. We need to learn to be thankful in spite. Was Lazarus alive yet? No. Did the people eat of the bread and fish yet? No. But after they gave thanks, what do I mean by changing focus? We have to change our focus from what we don't have to who we have. We need to change our focus from what we don't have to who we have. And when you change your focus on who you have, instead of looking at what you don't have, it makes thanksgiving all the more possible. So I pray that you will change your focus, not from what you don't have, but to who you have. And as you change your focus to who you have, it makes thanksgiving all the more possible. Instead of focusing on that sickness, focus on the one whose back bore the stripes for your healing. Instead of focusing on your empty checkbook, Focus on the great provider, the one who provides. Instead of focusing on your pain and sorrow, change your focus to the one who bore all our pain and felt all our sorrow. We must change our focus from what we don't have to who we have. And in spite of what we see or don't see, in spite of what we hear or don't hear, in spite of what we feel or don't feel, Thanksgiving becomes possible when we focus on who we have. Now let's enter his courts with praise. I have often thought for many years that praise and thanksgiving were synonymous, and they sort of are. But I believe personally that there is a distinction between thanksgiving and praise. And this is the distinction that I have come up with. Thanksgiving is based upon what God does. 
upon what he provides or upon what you want him. I, God, I thank you that you heard me. It's action-based. For me, praise goes a little deeper. Praise is not based upon what God does. But praise is based upon who God is. His character. His attributes. His virtues. We get in through the gates of thanksgiving. But we go deeper into praise by looking at who God is. It's when we mature, and this is the progress I'm talking about, the progression that I'm talking about. When we mature, we go deeper into his presence. And our worship is no longer based upon what he does for us. It's based upon who he is to us. To me, maturity is this. Lord, if you don't do a single thing for me the rest of my life, I will still worship you. God, if you don't do anything for me ever again, I'm still going to praise you. I'm going to worship you in good times and in bad times. I'm not going to look at my circumstance because it doesn't change who you are. When I think of Job, when you read the first chapter of Job, and in one day he lost 500 ox, yoke, yoke of oxen, he lost 3,000 camel, he lost 7,000 sheep, he lost 500 donkeys, Seven sons, three daughters, and a large number of servants. Folks, that's what you would call a bad day. But Job had gotten past the gates of thanksgiving. And he moved into the courts of praise. And in the midst of horrible circumstances, Job falls to the ground and says, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Folks, that is, that speaks to my heart more than anything. How he was able to look beyond the circumstances. And he saw who God is. Therefore, David writes in Psalms 34, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. If you're just looking at circumstances, how can praise be upon your lips? But when you go past the gates of thanksgiving and you move into the courts of praise and your worship is no longer based upon what God does and what God doesn't do, but is based upon who he is. Who is he? Come on, join with me in that fifth verse. He is good. 
despite what your circumstance may say, it doesn't change that God is good. Despite what circumstance you may find yourself in, it doesn't change that his love endures forever. And it doesn't matter what's taking place in your family. His faithfulness is to all generations. So on this Thanksgiving week, I pray that we will enter his courts with thanksgiving but we'll progress a little bit deeper and a little bit further and we'll praise his name. We just don't thank him for what he has done, but we thank him for who he is. We praise him for who he is. So I challenge you this week to take your list and not just write what you're thankful for, but go a little deeper and write why. And I'll tell you what. For me it became very challenging. Not just what you're thankful for. But why. This Thanksgiving. Let's go beyond Thanksgiving. Would you bow your hearts and your heads with me. Thank you Jesus. Father, I'm always amazed at your word. How for years and years and years, in preparing for Thanksgiving and reading Psalms 100, your word is alive and new and speaks every day. And Lord, maybe it's just different levels or different stages or different seasons. But Lord, thank you for showing me on this Thanksgiving week that you want to take us from one place to another. You want to take us beyond Thanksgiving and put us in your courts of praise. That despite a pandemic, we can praise you for who you are. Despite a different Thanksgiving with maybe our tables not as crowded, we can praise you for who you are. Despite maybe not traveling, we can praise you for who you are. Despite maybe not having a job, not being able to do, maybe not providing for everything that's on our grandchild's list, we still praise you for who you are. Despite how we may physically feel, we can still praise you for who you are. You are good. Your love endures forever. And your faithfulness goes to all generations. Oh, we sing your praises.